It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day, especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay them, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah, blah. No more Gino time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us part of your daily routine Monday through Friday. Uh, Even on a day like this where the Celtics drop game one of their series against the Chicago Bulls 106-102. A really, really disappointing loss on a really, really tough day. So I just want to start by... Just saying a few words here about Isaiah Thomas and the incredible uh, strength that he showed, and it's just amazing that he came out and and did what he did. He could have very easily not played or or whatever, and and no one would have said anything. Uh, just a horrible tragedy for him and his family losing his sister China this weekend uh, in a single car accident. Uh, back home in Washington. I just want to say up front that, you know, our thoughts are with Isaiah and, and however this plays out, however he wants to continue on with this series, whatever happens, uh, I know that all Celtics fans support him. And I just want to say up front that, that we are supporting him throughout all of this. Uh, that said, uh, Isaiah mostly had a, a pretty amazing night. Uh, 33 points, six assists, five rebounds for Isaiah, but a tough fourth quarter. And I think this, the story of this game really boiled down to, in the end, uh, Jimmy Butler having a massive fourth quarter, 15-point fourth quarter, at the same time de- defending Isaiah Thomas, who Isaiah had 12 of his own in the fourth, but down down the stretch, uh, Butler came up big and made the big plays, and the Celtics just couldn't find a way to make uh, plays uh, to, 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 to win this game. Sam Packard's with me tonight. I'm John Corrales. We're the Rain and Jays. Uh, Sam, uh, your, your immediate takeaway from tonight's game. I guess my immediate takeaway is that if the Celtics – that basically it's not going to be easy. This, you're going to have to have – this is a playoff basketball, and you're playing against a team with Jimmy Butler – uh, who's kind of 
very dynamic and a very good player on both ends of the court. You're going to have to have every single player um, show up and play well if this, if you expect to win for the Celtics. And tonight, um, I would say you got good performance or performances from uh, Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas, and then Avery Bradley in the first half. And other than that, the the rest of the team struggled. It, it's just not going to cut it at this point. Um, but I don't. I I really don't think it's it's the end of the world. I think they there's um, mistakes they can fix. I think there's some some obvious kind of effort and lineup issues that are are lingering out there. But I just I don't think this is the the end of the world. Celtics Twitter. So we can all calm down. But there's uh, things they need to work on. But I think there's this series is still definitely winnable from the Celtics perspective, but you're going to need a better performance from Jay Crowder. You're going to need a better performance from um, Marcus Smart, and you're just going to need a better performance from your, your bench in general. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I feel like this game got really, it's hard to point to a specific segment uh, when this game was lost, but in the second quarter uh, when Isaiah went to the bench, or I think it was even started in the two minutes left in the first quarter, Isaiah and Horford go to the bench, and just the the team stops scoring baskets, and it's you can't just let uh, to open the second quarter and let the Bulls go on a 10-0 run. It's just in playoff basketball. It's I know most basketball games are back and forth like that, but in a kind of a close series like this, you can't just have complete stretches where you're anemic offensively, and so they're going to have to figure something out. I don't know exactly what it is, but that's kind of the beauty of of the playoffs is. You're playing the same team on Tuesday. Let's watch the film and figure out what we did right and kind of uh, what we can do better moving forward. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas sat for four minutes and nine seconds in the first half. The Celtics did not score at all in the four minutes and nine seconds Isaiah Thomas spent on the bench. That's uh, what we would call bad, and that can't happen. The second quarter was... Ugly, no, and again, second quarter's dooming the Boston Celtics. They they lost tonight's game by uh, four points, but they were outscored by seven in that second quarter, and and that's a, a spot where you look at all right that that that's a a problem area for Boston for some reason, and and it wasn't like he played a ton of bench players, just no Isaiah Thomas. They started that second quarter with uh, Crowder was on the floor. I think Horford was on the floor. They brought in Avery Bradley quickly. They they really tried to not have uh, a repeat performance of second quarter's pass, but there they were, losing. Uh, they hit 35% of their shots. They gave up eight offensive rebounds, 16 points in the paint for the Bulls, nine second chance points, six fast break points on top of everything. The Celtics had five turnovers in, in that in that second quarter, just not not great. And it wasn't until Al Horford bailed them out at the end that he he brought them back within striking distance. So if it wasn't for an Al Horford run at the end of the half, could have been a lot worse going into the second half. So the Celtics definitely need to figure out what to do with that bench. It, it, a lot of people were hating on Kelly Olynyk, and Kelly Olynyk didn't have the best game. We'll say that he had a, a generally, I would say, poor game. I will say he played the right way. He was aggressive for most of it, and some of it was shots not going in, and some of it was just him 
even though being aggressive, he he did play poorly. Uh, so I think, generally speaking, if Kelly Linick plays the way he plays, better things happen. And in the fourth quarter, he he had a much better fourth quarter than he did earlier in the game. I would say that I th- I would think Kelly Linick's one of those guys that I think would be better moving forward. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be listening to this and saying I'm 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 drunk, which I wish I was at this point. That would help me uh, cope with this a lot better. But I really think that the way Kelly Linick played is generally the way he plays when he's playing well, when he gets good results. And if he just keeps on doing what he was doing, I think from an aggressiveness perspective, I think he'll have a better game moving forward. I would agree with you. I, I, I'm kind of am confused by the the instant Olenek hate that uh, kind of occurs on Twitter whenever he, I guess, misses a couple shots. Like I didn't think he was like horrendous tonight. He didn't. He wasn't awful. I think it's also a tougher matchup for him, and the Bulls present uh, a tough matchup for the Celtics, um, just in terms of their size. We saw with Portis, um, Robin Lopez, and who's the other guy, Feliciano. It's it's kind of difficult to, for the Celtics to play their bench units against them because I feel like you need uh, Amir Johnson in the game to neutralize kind of the size that is Robin Lopez. Al Horford was a a, a very good player, but I just don't think he's a natural a natural center. I think he's he's doing be- he plays better when he's playing the four, and it, I think we saw early on tonight is just Kelly Olynyk's not going to be able to really box out uh, Robin Lopez. He's not the best kind of rim protector, and maybe this isn't the best matchup for the Celtics. But I feel like it's kind of it's important to get good minutes from Amir Johnson, so you can play Al Horford at um, at the power forward position. And I think the the problem um, it occurs uh, with Isaiah Thomas in the game and when Isaiah Thomas is on the bench is the Celtics just need to figure out how to score uh, efficiently or just at all with when Isaiah is not the main option. Uh, it feels like there's a, a strategy that I think works, which is just giving Al Horford the basketball and letting him kind of operate either in the high post or the low post and cutting and having him make passes. But it feels like the the Celtics, that they don't immediately get into that offense. There's kind of the four minutes of Marcus Smart dicking around or like, <laughs> I don't know, let's try Gerald Green for some flare screens. Like there's there's not the immediate reaction. It's like, okay, Isaiah's not working right now or he's on the bench. Let's go to Al Horford and let's make some cuts. And it's kind of frustrating because Al Horford had a, a really great game, um, 19 points, seven rebounds, uh, eight assists. But then in the fourth quarter, people would say, oh, where was he in the fourth? Where was he in the fourth? Well, it kind of makes sense that Al Horford wasn't kind of the guy in the fourth because you literally have a, a man on your team whose nickname is King of the Fourth. Or So you like the Celtics have just kind of stand around late in games and expect Isaiah to bail them out. It feels like they don't really don't have that second kind of go-to. And it feels like it should be Al Horford because it's happened many times tonight. Uh, you mentioned that run at the end of the second quarter. There's a point in the third quarter where Al Horford had two consecutive plays, just nice passes to Jay Crowder for some buckets. It feels like they have the potential to kind of go to that, but it's not like kind of the immediate thinking by them. So that's kind of what I've been was most frustrated by. It was just kind of this is game 83. You think they would have the second option on uh, on offense by this point? 
You know, it's it, it, that's another punching bag. There, when games aren't going well, okay, game like tonight, tonight did not go well. So there's analysis for you. There are there are consistent punching bags, and Al Horford is one of them. Al Horford, Scott Zolak tweeted out, and I had I had to call him out because he's where's Al Horford? Like the dude was on a triple double watch. I I just don't understand how someone could watch this game and say, "Where's Al Horford?" There were he he had a slower start, and in the second quarter, I said we definitely need more from him, and then he picked it up and had a pretty good game afterwards. I agree that the Celtics need to run more through him, and. It's not like he's a point guard. It's not like he's going to get the ball all the time. Sometimes he gets the ball, uh, he gets a rebound, and he'll bring it up. But most of the time, he needs to get the ball passed to him. And then he makes his plays. So I, I think the Celtics definitely, like you said, need to run more offense through him. Even when Isaiah's on the floor, they need to figure out a way to get Isaiah, I mean, to get Horford more touches so he can make more decisions. He's he's the team's probably I you could even argue that he's the best passer on the team, but he makes the best decisions on the team. And it I, I think he, if he's got the ball in his hands, good things will happen. But yeah, especially without Isaiah Thomas on the floor. What the the Bulls did a lot, I mean they really kind of let Marcus Smart do his thing and the early threes, I don't think bothered them as much because when Marcus Smart is taking early threes, that means he's definitely taking threes later in the game. And in in those moments where he's got the ball above the break and you're like, oh boy. In fact, Adam Himmelsbach had a great tweet. <laughs> he's never heard... a a crowd's collective reaction, quite like the Celtics reaction when Marcus Smart had the ball above the break. I think it was in the third quarter. It was clutch moment. And, and Marcus didn't shoot, but it was really like a, a, a joint. No. <laughs> when they saw him, the, the bulls are going to let Marcus Smart catch the ball. They're going to let him shoot. They're going to sag off of him. Marcus Smart's one of Marcus Smart's weaknesses is also his biggest strengths, which is his supreme confidence. And in the in those spots, if they're going to leave him that far open, he will he will take those shots. But those are also shots that Chicago wants. So I think one thing is Smart has to be really cognizant of what Chicago's game plan is and to, to attack instead of when they shoot, when they sag off of him and say, go ahead and shoot. You don't always have to shoot. You can attack. You can set the offense up. You don't have to say, Oh, you're gonna let me shoot. I'm going to take it. So when Horford has the ball and he decides to give it to smart, smart can just dive into the, the lane and, and force the Chicago defense to adjust to him and get into some sort of rotation, and then work the ball around some more, and maybe you'll get a better shot. I think that's one thing that Marcus definitely has to do to be more effective in the offense. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have any problem with the kind of the ball has swung around, and they you find Marcus Smart open in the corner. Like he missed one of those uh, down the stretch, 
Like that's the shot you need to take. Like that's just how the basketball has worked. And that's hopefully you make them, but you know what? I can't fault him for taking that. It's the shot where it's like, uh, he's above the break and he has the ball and he's dribbling and he doesn't know exactly what to do. So he's like, all right, I guess they're sagging off me. And the problem was he made one of those, the above the break one. And it was kind of downhill from there. Um, for the Celtics offense is just, uh, even with kind of all the, the complaints we've had in the past, I guess, 10 minutes, I still don't think the Celtics played that poorly in terms of shot creation and ter- in terms of, there was definitely stretches, especially in that second quarter where they were not good, but I don't think this was an atrocious game altogether for the Celtics. They were, it definitely wasn't the best game in terms of, uh, Jay Crowder, but Avery Bradley was knocked down some shots. I think he's going to shoot better. They only shot um, 43% and were 14 of 38 from from three. So I, I kind of expect those percentages to go up because they're lower than what the um, they shot for the entire season. I don't think it was a, a product of them taking bad shots. Uh, it was just kind of missing some outside shots. And then the thing that I didn't really think uh, think about heading into this game – the, the Bulls were damn good protecting the rim tonight. And I don't know if it was – and it was players. Robin Lopez was good at it, and um, their bigs were good at it. But they had a number of blocks from Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade tonight. And the Celtics are going to have to figure out uh, kind of how to finish around the basket stronger because there was a number of times where they either missed layups or were just straight out blocked. And that's kind of the where you should be getting your easy basketball from. So I was – when I was looking ahead of the series and kind of previewing in my own head, that was not something I was prepared for. Uh, if we want to, if we want to take a moment to to put the green gla- glasses on, and I guess look at this from a positive perspective, and this is this is I'm telling you up front that this is a little bit a little bit spin that I'm putting on here, but let's look at the the positives here. The Celtics did score 102 points, so it's not like they, the, the Bulls defended them like crazy. They did defend the paint really well. They did get a bunch of block shots. They had uh, seven block shots on the night, which pretty good. Okay, that's fine. But they didn't exactly stop the Celtics a lot. The second quarter stands out. It's an outlier, but the Celtics had 28 points in the first, third, and fourth quarter. And then in the second quarter, they just sucked. And that was – how much of that was really the Bulls' defense and how much of it was the Celtics just sucking in the second quarter? Let's be honest. Okay, Jimmy Butler had a great finish, but not an overall great game. Uh, The the Bulls got 19 points and 9 rebounds from Bobby frickin' Portis. And now all of a sudden I got yahoos on Twitter getting on Danny Ainge's case because he took Rozier over over Portis and like he should have known better. Like for two years, Portis was in the league and not one damn person, not one in two years was saying, God, I can't believe we took uh, Rozier instead of Bobby Portis. Now tonight, all of a sudden he goes off and people start saying, oh, see. Danny Ainge doesn't know. Shut up. Shut up. You weren't there up until tonight, and suddenly tonight you want to come out of the woodwork. So Portis had a big game. They needed 19 points out of Bobby frickin' Portis to to even have a chance to win this game. And, you know, Jerry and Grant hitting a three? Come on. That's 
I, I don't even have his stats in front of me. Uh, does he even have what, – what's he shooting from, from three this year? Like 15% or some <laughs> stupid shit? Like that's – if we're looking at everything that Chicago needed and they still – it's not like they won this going away. Meanwhile, Crowder had three fouls, was hampered with foul trouble – we saw the the Boston bench just completely shit their pants, and hopefully, hopefully, they're not going to completely shit their pants for an entire seven-game series. Uh, the Celtics have an idea of how Chicago wants to defend Isaiah Thomas, and they can figure out a way to kind of get him free. And then you hope you would hope that Avery Bradley is a little more consistent throughout the game, and that Jay Crowder is a little more consistent throughout the game. He is, he was this season a forty percent three-point shooter, so. I'm I'm okay with some of the shots that he was taking. Uh, I think that, and especially some of the turnovers that the Celtics had were so stupid. I, I just I don't think I don't think the Celtics can play much worse than they played today. So it took an an overly impressive performance from Portis and some some craziness there, and the Celtics playing like total crap. And it was still a four point win. So if we're gonna st- if we're gonna be positive about it, I think that as bad as today was, you the Celtics can bounce back from this and and win game two pretty if they play the way they're supposed to play, they can win it pretty handily. Yeah, I mean I just if Bobby Portis is gonna come out and be eight for ten from the field uh and score nineteen points every night. There might be difficult, but like there are a lot of Bobby Portis shots where um, just pick and pop mid range, like elbow extended. And that's kind of, I feel like, what the Celtics were designing to do. They're going to try and force Bobby Portis to make shots. You know what happened tonight? Bobby Portis knocked down all of the shots. And I mean, he just hasn't been a consistent performer for the, his first two years in the league. So to kind of expect him to do that is, it seems kind of absurd. I think, uh, the huge issue in the first half was definitely the the offensive rebounding, and I tweeted this out, but I think it a lot of it had to do with Jay Crowder getting in some foul trouble in the second quarter, and he only planned up playing 10 minutes in the first half. Um, and for some Celtics fans who've been in, for been watching the kind of the, the second half of the season and have watched Jay Crowder's rebounding numbers go up, uh, he's been kind of the bigger one of the bigger reasons why they have been less anemic. Um, on the boards this season. And when he played at his kind of regular minutes in the second half, I believe the, the bulls only had, they had 16 offensive rebounds in the first half and only four in the second half. And I just, the, the kind of giving up second hand, second chance points was not as big as of an issue moving forward. So hopefully it's kind of a sign of the times or sign that the, the Celtics can figure that out. But I think they, they the Celtics played pretty well uh, defensively, with those two things being said, with Bobby Porras playing well, with the kind of offensive rebounding uh, ish or uh, dominance by the Bulls, and with even Jimmy Butler going off in the fourth quarter, they held the Bulls to less than 43%. They were le- uh, 32% from three. The the They created 16 turnovers. It just it didn't – nothing really broke exactly right for the Celtics tonight, but I think that that missing Crowder, that early foul trouble, really hurt them on the on the boards and – I don't think that's going to happen moving forward. So call it green colored glasses, call it a spin zone. But 
I mean, obviously, this you'd, you'd rather have the Celtics win tonight, but I just don't think it's the, the end of the world. And you see the people immediately jumping out. It's like, oh, they should have traded for this person. Oh, this Ugh. is the same things that have been happening all year. No, they lost one basketball game. I still think they're they're pretty good. I think they had a chance to, to pull this out. There's definitely some things they need to figure out, especially kind of that secondary offensive thing. But I, I don't think this is cause for huge concern um, for the Celtics. And I think if I'm Brad Stevens um, – you just got to be even keel, show the Celtics what they need to improve. But I think there is – it wasn't a question of like horrendous effort or just dumb mental mistakes tonight. It was just kind of some smaller things that uh, that compiled over a certain time and it just didn't – it didn't work out for them. So I'm not not horrible, like too worried about the Celtics and I still think they have a huge potential to win this series. Yeah. Uh, after the game, Al Horford on the rebounding. We have to figure it out. Yes, Al, you do. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> Brian Robb of Celtics Hub tweeted out, officially, that was the worst defensive rebounding performance of the Celtics season. The team grabbed just 54.5% of available defensive rebounds. That's pretty terrible. That is really, really terrible. It's awful. I, but I would like to see the splits, like the first half, second half splits, because I do think they really like improved. The second half the was second much, half. much better. The second half was much, much better. Absolutely. And I, now, I, as I tweeted out, I do think that rebounding, overall rebounding can be a an overrated statistic. If if the Celtics really, all you need to do is not get crushed. You can lose the battle of the boards and still win. There have been plenty of NBA championship level teams that, lost the rebounding battle nightly, but not in an egregious way. What happened tonight for the Celtics was egregious. They just, and that's now from the negative side of things, that's something that really, really, really bothers me because there's a difference between being a bad rebounding team and not giving any effort. And I think in the first half, yeah, Crowder with the, with the, the, Foul trouble, that's a problem for sure. But they just, there were stretches, they didn't even look like they cared. They didn't even look like, they didn't just turn and look. They turned, looked, stood, watched somebody grab a rebound, made a cursory kind of like slap at the ball. Like They barely cared to rebound. And so much of rebounding is simply an effort thing. And... That is where I have a problem with the rebounding. Not that they get out-rebounded. I don't care that they get out-rebounded. And a guy like Robin Lopez is going to get offensive rebounds. He shouldn't get eight offensive rebounds. Okay? he. You should at least... It, it's very simple. Find the guy. Put your ass on his leg and push. Get him out of there, or at least keep him from advancing towards the basket, have your body between the ball and him, and jump. That's all it is. It's very simple to do that and at least put some effort in to not get decimated on the boards. That is an absolute problem area, and we've seen it, obviously, all season long, but when the Celtics were making their run and piling up a bunch of wins, they were actually not getting crushed on the on the boards. And that's the difference. So if they go out in games two through five, six, or seven, they will have much better results. I don't care. There's going to be a putback that's going to happen. It'll be frustrating when we see it. 
but just don't give up five and six rebounds on a freaking possession. So just box out, put some effort in. That's that's enough. Just put some effort, and the rest will work out. So that's that's my biggest level of frustration from this game. When it's an effort thing, that really bothers me. No, I I completely agree. If there's some there's some plays where it just felt like the the Celtics bigs were lifeless against um, Robin Lopez. But the the most frustrating part is the, how much the guards came back, especially Rajon freaking Rondo. Four offensive rebounds, and he's always we know as Celtics fans that he's always been kind of a a good offensive rebounder. But Butler had three himself. Dwayne Wade had one. Um, it felt like there's a lot of times when the smaller guys just came in for tippins or something like that, where it just didn't it didn't make sense. Like I, there's some offensive rebounds I can excuse when the the kind of the rim protector engages with the guy who's driving, and so there's no one really, so his man ends up with a kind of easy positioning. That just kind of makes sense in the flow of the game. But when you're just allowing these guards and wings to kind of pour in from the outside, that's when it can get super frustrating. And that's exactly what was happening uh, in the first half. Um, Another complaint on top of that. What the hell is – why does Jalen Brown have to be a rookie again? I feel like we went through (laughs) 82 games of like him struggling early on defense, not knowing how to communicate. And it's like – he had the potential to be like a, a real X factor for the Celtics. I thought there was an interesting point in the in the second half of the game where he came in. Um, Marcus Smart was playing one. He was playing the uh, shooting guard, and the Celtics were doing a very good job switching on defense. They were playing great defense on um, Jimmy Butler, and I thought I was very intrigued by this uh, the the lineup and with his kind of shooting and his willingness to shoot and make threes i thought he could be an asset for the celtics but then you see him on like one possession in particular it's glaring in my mind it's just him and kelly olenic just jump out to guard the same guy and immediately after that uh avery bradley grow turns in the game for him it's just like (laughs) come on jalen you're supposed to be the smart guy from cal like we have no time this is not a place (laughs) like messing up and making just dumb mistakes so that was that was frustrating because i really do think jalen has this he has a potential to be a, a impact player in these games, but making mental mistakes like that, maybe you get an excuse because it's your first playoff game, but that was frustrating to me because he has, he can really do some things and his so dynamic in terms of his versatility that I thought he would be able to do more. Yeah. I, and he only played three minutes in the second half. So I think that was something that really hurt the team when you just go down the bench, that's he's been a key player for the Celtics, and he's he's had some some big moments. But if if he's going to look, he he is a rookie. He is a rookie. And that's he's got a taste now of what playoff basketball is about. Now we'll see. We'll see how good he is, and we'll see how smart he is, and what he's learned from game one. And I guarantee you, he's going to be in that film room. And and figuring things out and and hopefully hopefully he learns and hopefully he comes out in game two and can do some really important things. I think really what we need from Jalen Brown now is to be a a top notch defender. He just needs to defend his ass off. Uh, and and now I guess since we're talking about Jalen, is is a lot of people are going to be asking. 
do we want to shake up a lineup? If the Celtics bench is so bad, and if the Celtics starters are so good, is there any sort of maybe you take Avery Bradley out and you start uh, start Jalen Brown at the two, and you maybe have him guard Dwayne Wade, or maybe you have him guard Rondo, and you see if you can hide Isaiah Thomas on Wade, and, and maybe Wade just... He's not that great of a shooter. Maybe you you try to force Wade into a bunch of jump shots and and do something that way. And I, I'm not saying I advocate for this, but it's a question that is going to come up when the Celtics have a performance like this and bench is, the bench is an issue. If Jalen Brown, who has played better, he's played his best with the starters. If he's that good with the starters, why not put him with the starters, move Bradley to the bench, and really all that affects is the distribution of Avery Bradley's minutes because it's not like we're saying bench Bradley and have him play 20 minutes. He played thirty, almost 36 minutes tonight. I still want him playing 36 minutes. I think if we entertain that thought and you maybe change just the minutes distribution of where he gets those minutes, he'll still be in down the stretch. You maybe use Bradley as a guy to to boost that second unit. Maybe that fixes a second quarter thing. I, I don't know. I, it's it's an intriguing option. I'll I'll just say it's it's an interesting fix, and but something that's only possible if you're Brad Stevens and you have faith in Jalen Brown not to like make major mental mistakes on defense. And I think it's. I mean, I I wouldn't exactly be advocating for it at the at this point I think there's there's kind of some familiarity with the Celtics but I think finding a way to get Jalen Brown in the game with the better players on the team is something that uh, I think the the Celtics would be interested in I also for in we're talking about possible lineup changes they'd like to see I think um maybe getting some Jonas Jerebko some more time earlier on just in terms of, of floor spacing and he's been a pretty decent rebound uh defensive rebounder kind of hustle energy guy um for his entire career i understand you put tyler zeller in there um to kind of you want some size and you're sick of robin lopez uh kind of kicking your ass on the boards but i you guys know me like i don't i've never been the biggest tyler zeller fan i think that jarebko um he's not gonna be the same size guy that uh zeller is but i think he gives you more of a opens up the floor more on on offense because really Zeller's not going to give you anything on offense unless you're running like pick and rolls with him with his incredibly soft hands. And he hasn't really done that since Rajon Rondo has been on the team. Um, so maybe I feel like Jarebko came in. He only played four minutes tonight, but he was a plus five in those four minutes. I thought he um, he just did a good job in terms of moving the basketball and was created a little bit of a spark and he can stretch the floor more. But I don't know if this this one loss requires kind of large large changes to the to the roster um it's just uh jay crowder got in some foul trouble early and then that that made you have to go to a lot of kelly olenic and marcus smart in the second quarter um which was not ideal in terms of creating offense but in terms of just general lineup changes i think this you're gonna see what uh, a lot more of what kind of the celtics did tonight although i would expect to see Maybe a little bit more from uh, Amir Johnson. I thought he um, 
I think I, I mentioned this earlier, but I just think he, he's better when, when he just makes Al Horford better because Al Horford doesn't have to spend time on guarding Robin Lopez. And not like I just think Amir is better in terms of kind of that defensive rebounding. But he only got 18 minutes tonight. He got a, I remember there's some point in the night where he got some, some stern talking twos from, I believe it was Horford and Gerald Green because he looked pretty lifeless in terms of, uh, terms of the boards. I think Amir Johnson needs to play better and probably be closer to earning 25 minutes a night instead of kind of having Brad go away from him and him only playing uh, 18 minutes. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a big thing because uh, again, when the Celtics were going really good, Amir Johnson was one of those guys that was low key, really good in that stretch. You know, he, he would play his 20, 25 minutes, but He'd be in there. He'd be defending the rim. He'd be rebounding. So I agree with that. I think that's a solid a solid observation that we need to have more from Amir Johnson, especially if we're talking about rebounding. He's a guy that needs to step up. You know, I, I mean, I bring up the Jalen Brown thing. I know it's not going to happen. I know this is more talk show podcast fodder, but it it is it is what it is. You, and, and I think, what's the worst case scenario? He goes out there, he sucks for two possessions, you sub Avery Bradley and it's just like he started. So, not a big deal. But, again, that's that's probably not going to happen. But, yeah, yeah whatever, we'll throw it out there. But, it, like, as we start to wrap up the show, <laughs> the bottom line is, and I hate to be, you know, just so, I guess, glib about the whole thing, it, it, you gotta play better. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta play better. Like that's it really just boils down to playing better basketball. You got to go out and rebound when you get and it, it's it, I'm not even worried about putbacks and stuff. Like I said before, shit happens. I what I don't like is how demoralizing those offensive rebounds can be. You've just played defense. You've just forced a bad shooting team to miss. Get the rebound, close out the possession, f- finalize the stop, and get out. And don't try to do too much. Just go and to to take the Belichick line. Go do your do your job. Don't do like Marcus Smart had a, a great stop, and then he would he was flying out of control and threw a, an outlet pass off Jay Crowder's head. Like don't don't try to do something stupid like that. Control the ball. Make sure the guy is at least looking at you, and let's go. Get you can't be wasting possessions like that. Play better basketball. Don't be stupid. Put in for it, put in an effort and play better basketball, and that's enough to beat the Chicago Bulls. And it really all of the analysis boils down to that those three points. Play better basketball. Don't be stupid. Try. <laughs> Uh, those three things, add them together. What do you get? You get wins. You get wins. It's very simple. So very frustrating night on a very tough night for the Boston Celtics. But hold on. Is there, is there any way a jams junk drawer could cheer you up? Oh yeah. Let's, let's blast through a jams junk drawer. All right, let's do it. Okay. The first three that Isaiah made, uh, which was like from 30 feet, probably the most excited I've been for a first quarter shot in the history of my basketball watching career. That was an exciting moment. That was awesome. Agreed. Um, Dwayne Wade dunking, <laughs> I know. slamming into the rim was oh, it was like uh, these. 
it's some of the times where it's just like the great NBA Twitter moments, especially if you have tweet deck and you can just watch them pour in and just like all the, he should retire now, like get him out of here. Then he has his wife, Gabrielle union coming in saying like, put the toilet seat down. Like she's the one who moved the rim on him. It's just, uh, it was great. It's, it's good old fashioned fun. And as someone who used to host a podcast called we hate Dwayne Wade. Oh my God. It was a great moment. It was fantastic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's see the ref calling a tech on Isaiah Thomas in this game of all games. Uh, really? Oh, seriously. Huge, huge co Jones from that ref to kind of pull that one out. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a ballsy, uh, ballsy move. That was a kind of ridiculous. Um, if I see another person tweet about the Celtics, not making a big trade because of Terry Rozier, like it's, it's, I'm going to just have to like rip my hair out because, we have no idea what those trades were. Like, it was like, for the narrative out of that just being like, oh, yeah, the Celtics would have gotten Paul George, but they just really didn't want to put that Terry Rozier pick in. Like, or not pick, just Terry Rozier in. That's yeah. clearly not what the deal was. And there's like, to reduce it to that narrative seems so stupid. The deal did no way hinged on Terry Rozier. Like, there's clearly, they didn't want to put up a Nets pick, or they didn't want to give up, like, a major player like, like Jay Crowder or Avery Bradley. But the fact that Terry Rozier has become a punchline is infuriating. One, because I kind of like Terry Rozier as just a person because his Snapchat's uh, hilarious. But two, <laughs> it's just like, come on. Just like, it's, it's, it's stupid it's, and wrong. That's absolutely, I just, I will chime in there. It's really one of the dumbest things. Somehow, some way, I forget what it was. I remember somebody tweeted something about Terry Rozier was a sticking point or something like I don't somebody tweeted something that and that took on a life of its own and there's absolutely no way no way in hell that Danny Ainge wouldn't have made a trade if it was like oh well I'm not giving up Terry Rozier yeah Jimmy you oh you ready to trade Jimmy Butler and I gotta give up Terry no like sorry that never happened that never never happened but people Will people will say what they're going to say? It, uh, whatever. It's, all, right. all of these things are very infuriating. Go ahead, keep going. All right, final two. An actual Celtics fan that I follow tweeted uh, these words: uh, "I've never ever felt comfortable with a Marcus Smart or a Jay Crowder taking a three. Jay Crowder's a forty percent shooter from beyond the arc. You've never felt comfortable when he makes forty percent of his threes. That one, I almost threw my computer away." Uh, don't tweet dumb things. I'm going to make, they're going to make me upset. Uh, I don't know why I didn't publicly shame this person. Maybe I was just too upset in the moment, but I should have. Um, but I copy and pasted his tweet, so I don't even know who did it now. And then finally, for those who are watching this on uh, Comcast Sportsnet, um, when Jimmy Butler made the, the free throws to put them up four, they went to this kid in the crowd, this wonderful Celtics fan. He couldn't have been older than um, 10 years old, and you could just see him mouth the words, fuck, and it was <laughs> perfect. It was just like the exact feelings that every Celtics fan had in that exact moment, and it was just kind of, it was it was great. It was uh, exactly what kind of the, the laugh I needed after that terrible game. So that I, we are all that little, that Celtics fan. I, <laughs> you know what, as you were saying it, I'd seen it tweeted throughout my timeline, but it was during the during the podcast, so I wasn't really going to go look at it. But as you're saying it, I scrolled down and I saw Dave Portnoy tweeted out, uh, 
that is glorious. That is glorious. I'm going to retweet that right now uh, because, yeah, it's funny. And he says, other cities, little kids cry. In Boston, F-bombs everywhere. <laughs> so perfect. It's so perfect. Um, hey, you know what? Drop a few. Uh, today is an F-bomb-worthy game. This is an F-bomb-worthy day. And the worst thing is is that uh, the it's Monday. And you're going back to work, and you got to listen to us talk about this shit. Ugh, God. Uh, but anyway, that's it. Game one in the books. Celtics lose. But it's a seven-game series. It's not March Madness. So just game one. The Celtics can still come back and win it in five, win it in six, win it in seven. Or, you know, whatever. Maybe they lose. I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it all here on the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10, select styles only. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.